From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Our children may be struggling with an array of intense, confusing, and frightening emotions during this time. Here to talk with me about how the COVID-19 pandemic and the protests going on in so many communities are impacting children and teens is Upstate Child Psychologist Dr. Ann Reagan. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Reagan. Hi, thanks for having me. We often think about children being resilient, but during this protracted time of crisis, how long can we expect that resilience to last? Well, certainly we like to think of resiliency as a characteristic and a skill that stays with people over time, getting them through multiple difficult periods. It's not necessarily something that just poof goes away, but there are components that contribute to someone's resiliency that might need to be bolstered or re-examined if they are experiencing a prolonged crisis. Um, It's natural to see people who we think of as very resilient, like children, still struggle when exposed to prolonged stress or trauma crisis. Um, That doesn't mean they can't regain their resiliency or become more resilient in the future, especially using some of those difficult or traumatic experiences to bolster their resiliency in the future. Are you seeing patients who are struggling with the stress that you can tie to the pandemic or to the protests? So the protests are fairly new. The current state of protests um, are fairly new. So I've only had a few patients since that's all started. Um, You know, typically in reflecting on the past experiences and just again, a handful currently, um, the younger kids seem less aware or phased Um, It's more so parents wondering how to talk to their young children about what's going on around them and or whether it's appropriate, depending on their developmental level. Um, So again, the younger children, it's more working with parents. Um, But with some of the older teenagers that I've seen more recently um, related to, again, the protests, it's more than wanting to process their own thoughts and experiences in a place that's private and not going to be Um, judged by friends or even family. So it's more for them um, going through their own experiences um, and trying to work through things that they're hearing, whether they agree or not agree, and knowing they have a safe place to say, I don't know how I feel about that um, without being judged. In terms of COVID, it's definitely been a while working with kids and it's mostly seeing um, changes in anxiety and just not knowing how to work with the unexpected. but most of it has been pretty manageable, to be honest. Well, can we talk about the signs of traumatic stress? Are there things that um, parents or caregivers should be alert for in, well, let's go through the different ages of childhood. Um, sure. Does, do things show up in babies under the age of two that, are, that should be concerning? So babies and under two is definitely a tough age. Um, to assess traumatic stress because you're working with kids that that don't have established sleep patterns, don't necessarily have established eating or feeding patterns. In older kids, those are some signs and and concerns. Um, I think with the babies and the younger kids, you're looking for changes in their ability to be soothed by a trusted caregiver, Um, you know, looking for Um, transition objects or things that they've, you know, often relied on to help calm them down if they're no longer responsive to those types of objects or things, maybe a favorite show or song, those might be some concerns um, in that younger age group. You know, you want to account for just general illness or teething or things that they can't communicate 
um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're having a traumatic response. So that's a, that's a little bit of a tough age group. But certainly, again, their response is soothing and caregivers. What about the kids that are a little older than that, that maybe do have an established eating pattern and maybe they're more mobile, they're moving around, walking around, the preschoolers? Are there, um, sure. will they tell their parents that they're upset? So the younger kids, you know, language at two and three is, is definitely still developing, but it's there. Um, tantruming is normal for two, three, four-year-olds to an extent. So just because a child is having a tantrum, again, doesn't necessarily mean they're experiencing severe traumatic stress, but caregivers know their kids best. And so I think when you're looking at frequency or intensity of things like tantruming or getting upset about things, um, you know, five-year-olds, they may have a little bit of a distress tolerance for being told no or schedule changes and things like that. So if all of a sudden a child that used to be pretty flexible is no longer flexible and really responding negatively, um, those would, you know, potentially be signs for some um, traumatic stress. Um, again, at that age group, skipping a meal or, you know, just being less engaged one day, again, is not a significant sign, but you're looking for a pattern or a significant change in behavior. Um, now, some, like some of that probably applies to the kids that are older, that the six to 12 year olds too, right? Sure. So again, yeah, like eating patterns and things like that certainly apply more to the six and 12 year olds. Um, language, the, the way that a six to 12 year old might refer to things, if it becomes negative or dark or hostile using some of that dark and hostile language, that would certainly be um, a concern. Um, you know, things like that, maybe becoming less excited about things that they enjoyed, activities, seeing peers, um, that age group, you know, that would be a concern. Teenagers, similar eating, sleeping patterns, definitely, um, if they were to stop eating or, or um, have a fear of falling asleep or be sleeping much more to maybe avoid having to think about things that make them upset becoming much more isolated or withdrawn, again, using maybe negative language about themselves or others or the way that they talk about their environment would be a concern. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with child psychologist, Dr. Ann Reagan. So what do you recommend parents and caregivers do to help kids if they see these signs of stress? At what point do they need to, you know, seek some outside help? So the best thing we can do is talk to our kids. Parents are often scared. They're going to say the wrong thing or by bringing it up or talking about it, you're gonna make it worse. But we know that if a child is already thinking about something, it's the not talking about it that makes it seem taboo or that it's not okay that they're having those thoughts. So parents need to be able to talk to their kids. Um, giving concrete options or solutions if a child does communicate what their worries or concerns are, um, becoming more involved, just sitting down, doing crafts with younger kids or you know, developmentally appropriate activities with the younger kids. It's not a distraction. It's not covering it up. It's creating an opportunity to have a child open up and have a conversation. Um, and then same thing for the older kids. It's using an activity as a springboard and an opportunity to have the child feel like, I have my parents' attention right now, now's the time to maybe say something that I haven't wanted to say in the past. Um, and again, keeping it concrete, being supportive, 
letting them talk. A lot of times parents hear their child say one thing and then give lots of advice and give lots of their own experience. That's not necessarily what the kids or the teenagers want to hear. They want an opportunity to, to express what their thoughts or concerns are and have someone listen. So talking and creating some one-on-one -on -one time um, is definitely helpful. What about, do you have any advice for how parents can help their children get a good night's sleep? Because I've talked to people about how important sleep is during times of right. stress, but then of course, uh, you know, so many people are having trouble sleeping during times of stress. So what can they do to help kids, kids sleep better? So consistency in sleep routines and patterns, nighttime routines, um, is really, really important, especially with the younger kids, you know, even up to six or 10, um, they need to know what to expect. They need to know when it's relaxation time, when it's going to be bath time. Um, with stress often comes changes in patterns and schedules and going different places unexpectedly. So um, keeping consistent with what the kids can expect can definitely help with that. And being somewhat flexible, you know, being consistent, but flexible, maybe you need to add a nightlight or maybe you need to keep the door open when it was typically closed. Um, you know, those types of things. Again, asking the kids what seems to make sleep difficult. What, you know, can we do? Let's try some different things and see if that helps. Well, school is wrapping up or has wrapped up for pretty much everyone, but the summer is not going to be like any previous summer that we've had, like in terms of camps, many of them are closed. Um, there's just a lot of uncertainty about what's happening now, but also what's happening in the fall, whether school will be back in session, well, whether kids will still be home. What approach can parents take to help kids prepare for all of this uncertainty? Sure. So I, I know it's tough to do camps at home and things like that, especially with parents that are working. But if there is somebody that's at home, a caregiver, babysitter, um, or a parent that's able to create some fun opportunities for kids that might be similar to what they get at camp, whether it's a field trip to a park or a county beach or something like that, it's gonna have to be thinking outside the box and creating some time for those activities um, that you might have not had to because the kids were at camp doing it with other people. Um, so, you know, still looking for fun opportunities to get the kids outside, fresh air, um, you know, in water, um, if possible, you know, just doing those things to keep them cool and having fun. And then maybe doing some school-related activities that are just more entertaining for the summer. Science projects, doing a, you know, bottle rocket outside, that's safe, of course. You know, fun activities that are going to keep the kids engaged um, to still have some new experiences. Well, thank you so much to Upstate Child Psychologist, Dr. Ann Reagan. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.